and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. It's Wade and Mike here in the studio, uh, continuing our series, our Winging It series on Martin Luther, his life and his thought. And we have gotten to probably at least in the last maybe 75, 80 years, the most controversial uh, topic of Martin Luther's studies, and that would be his take on other religions, specifically the Jewish people. But we'll also talk a little bit about the Turks and Islam as well. Do you get this in Luther, Michael, where there's always at least one person that wants to do a paper on this? You know, I haven't, and and uh, recently I've, I've, I've been, uh, their paper is to do a biography on somebody else that is related to Luther, and so we've gotten away from that kind of topical stuff, so... Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and then you always wonder, is this person have an agenda on one way or the other? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, you know. Is this going to be the one who wants to defend him? And you go, uh, or is this the one who wants to like prove a, some sort of political, right. theological point through? And uh, we have some smart students, but probably that's more grad level topic. Right. Right. Uh, you got, you got to read a, quite a bit more and. And let's just say maybe a little bit more maturity about about this. And this is a broader topic that is um, a huge deal. We'll, we'll talk about uh, post World War II, post really post Holocaust thoughts about this. Um, but also in, in our day and age too, where how do you deal with um, historical figures um, in the light of of our own current ethos? Right. Yep. And you got to be really careful that you don't um, put your your ethics, your culture back onto an historical figure at the same time, balancing that out where we don't fall into hagiography. Right. Where we're just saying uh, this guy, because uh, I'm Lutheran and, and he, he is Lutheran um, th- or I'm Christian. He is Christian or I'm American. He is American. Therefore, my job is to defend that person or that policy right and wrong so there is kind of a historical maturity if we want to put it that way just to kind of navigate those perhaps two extremes and so we'll try to do that today we're not going to say luther right um whether he's right or wrong at the same time although if jason were here he'd totally be defending luther (laughs) and we but at the same time we want to say we cannot pull this out of the historical context um not only his writings his words um, but his attitude and to be fair, right. To say, here's the full context, right? So very often we'll say, man, Luther said some really nasty things about a lot of people, including his own people. Yes, he did. Um, and, and was extreme even for his age at the same time. Um, you should see what they had said about him, Mm -hmm. right? This is not, uh, there, there are no, there are no heroes in, in these stories. Everybody was saying mean things. Yes. Doesn't excuse it, but let's not uh, get on our high horse just yet. Yeah? Yeah. All right. You got some 1517 sure. stuff? So we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Encourage you to check out 1517.org for lots of good stuff there. Uh, Michael's book, I'm sure, still hopping off the shelves, can be found there. Vocation, uh, the setting for human flourishing. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got... Three books over there as well. A good one for Holy Week. Lent would be uh, Pastoring with Sinners, a devotional commentary on Mark's Gospel. Uh, but uh, you can find blog posts. I've been going. I've had like one a week almost. 
blog past devotions. I've been on a roll. Um, you have academy stuff there, free, basically college lessons. Um, Michael has one on vocation. Um, a number of things you can find, including conference information. The um, next Here We Still Stand will be coming up in October in sunny San Diego. And uh, Mike will be presenting there. And I will not be presenting, but I will be there with my lovely bride. Mm-hmm. Michael, you may be there with your lovely We will see if it well. works out, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested, you can check that out. Um, links are on 1517.org. We don't normally do our disclaimer for our winging it, so we'll uh, go ahead and, and dispense with that for today, and we can make our way uh, into our discussion. So, Michael, um, was Luther an anti-Semite? Um, <clears throat> the first thing that we should should ask is, is Luther and the whole medieval culture is it is it something that is driven by ethnicity is it driven by culture is it driven by theology and the reason we ask that is to say in a post-enlightenment world and in particular a post uh, holocaust world we tend to think in terms of racism Mm -hmm where the ancients did not think in terms of racism. Now, this doesn't mean that they were nice to each other. They clearly were not. Uh, we'll always invent ways to hate each other. Mm-hmm. People are good at that. So, For instance, sports allegiances. Yeah. When there's not enough war, right. we, we have pseudo-war. Yeah. Sports allegiances. Yeah. Um, so when someone says something against another religion or another, what we would call denominations. Of course, there was no denominations in Western Christianity in the medieval church. Um, we take that as an attack on the person when very often it's attack on the theology. The idea. Or the idea. And uh, again, we're not excusing that, but at the same time, we have to fully understand that. Let me, let me ask you this question to set the, the, the setting. Just the, the history, in particular, of of Jewish people in the medieval in the medieval system. Um, what were their legal rights? Um, there are there are many 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 times when they are going to be scapegoats. They are going to be blamed for certain things. Um, perhaps no other group has been blamed for things that they did not do. But the not Jewish just in people, Europe, yeah. Um, um, all groups have been blamed for things that they didn't do, but I think probably the Jewish people, at least in, in the Western world, are going to, uh, they're going to win that. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately. Win that unfortunately. But you can see that in tribal things throughout the history of the world, that um, there is something wrong. We are going to blame this certain people, right? And, and uh, you feel good about yourself because then you don't have to blame yourself. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, that's basically how Jason functions for me now. <laughs> so, um, a typical Jewish community living in, let's just say, Wittenberg, where there was a Jewish strasse, right, a street where uh, uh, the, the Jewish community the would would be. Um, what, what 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 was their plight? Yeah, I would say, Mike. It depends on the the time and the ruler. Um, throughout Europe. 
you'll have um, times and places where the Jews are more um, free, uh, more welcome. I wouldn't say welcomed, um, but maybe more welcome. Um, and then you will have times where those fortunes will shift, sometimes rather precipitously, sometimes rather quickly, um, and they will have ag- exile or, <clears throat> or banishment. You'll have um, sometimes long-standing Jewish communities in an area, um, and all of a sudden a, a pogrom, uh, a persecution of the Jews will break out. Sometimes this is associated with the, with the plague. Um, the Jews often right, lived separate from the Gentiles, sometimes by choice, but often by law. And they also had Old Testament rules for washing. And so sometimes they'd be quarantined and, and cleaner and not have as many cases of the plague. And, and people would say, oh, the Jews must be poisoning the, <clears throat> the wells. Um, sometimes when bad things happen to a community, um, people would reason, well, it's because we're letting these blasphemers live among us. God must be upset about that. And so really, um, fortunes could shift. Um, there was often, um, no matter where they were going to be, there were laws that regulated what they could do. Sometimes uh, people will stereotype about careers that, that um, the Jews often uh, um, find themselves uh, in historically, and they will make it seem as if, oh, this was just, you know, these careers that they sought out um, often those were the careers that were left to them that they were able to practice because they weren't allowed to do um, other things. So there would be laws to, about the degree to which they could participate um, in civic and in economic life. And so it really varied. You you have a Judenstrasse in Wittenberg, but you also have the, the Judensau on the St. Mary's uh, Church on the, the Stadtkirche, um, which is a um, not a good depiction <laughs> Um, of the Jews that's right there um, on the uh, the church. Jason and I were talking about this the other day, and it would have been good to have him, but he doesn't he doesn't usually work that often when we're in class sessions and we're on break this week. So I assume he's tanning somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it really could be a mixed mixed bag. Um, and there's no one place in Europe to say that it was always good for them here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really tends to go in phases, although you will find um, in Eastern Europe, eventually there are higher Jewish populations. And we'll, we'll, unfortunately, this is why much of the Holocaust will take place in Eastern Europe. Um, there sometimes was more toleration they could find if they went that way. And so you would sometimes have more amalgamated villages there. And eventually the Netherlands, right, is going to be more progressive. That's what they will say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Until, Amsterdam until, especially will. Until it gets inconvenient. I because the, uh, so when the big rivalry is um, Ajax or Ajax uh, for Amsterdam for, for soccer and then uh, Feyenoord in Rotterdam and um, Ajax or Ajax waves the Israeli flag because Supposedly Amsterdam, you know, sheltered the Jews because mm-hmm. Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, And then Feyenoord, Rotterdam, which has a very high non-Dutch population, a high Islamic population, will often raise the, um, and not just, not, not just Middle Easterners will wave this, but they'll wave the Palestinian mm-hmm. flag. And then it becomes political, and I won't say some of the chants, but they've gotten trouble mm-hmm. 
in the past for um, some of the chants that go back and forth between the the two groups. But yes, Amsterdam especially will like to to talk about how um, protective and welcoming they were. So there could be there could be uh, situations, especially post Reformation, where okay, here's what you can be: you can be uh, Jewish or Roman Catholic, you can mm-hmm. be Protestant or or um, uh, Jewish, or you can be only Roman Catholic or Lutheran or right. whatever. There, this is this is foreign to us. And outside of Spain, though, I mean, the only other, the only minority group really is the Jews. Right. Um, you have, uh, I mean, you don't have total ethnic cohesion. I mean, you you have not even all the Germans are exactly descended, you know, the same way. Um, but you will have this idea that you're part of Christendom and you're a German, Italian, a, you know, you name it. Um, or the minority group would be the Jews. We live in a, a very multicultural, pluralistic society where there's an abundance of minority groups, right? Mm-hmm. This was not the case. Uh, the difference would be in Spain where you had the Moors, mm-hmm. um, then you'll have Moors and, and Jews. But mm-hmm. otherwise, um, the minority group just is the Jews. Right. And then it's it's also strange for us to, to hear, like, you kind of have to ha- be registered as a religion, right? And, and even in the Roman Empire, right, we see Which that. is still today yeah. the case in many places in Europe, too. Uh, uh, you know, e- e- Germany uh, now much more open to, to other religious practices, but I believe Scientology is illegal. And I think the Jehovah right. Witnesses had a hard time. At yeah. least. So th- that's foreign to us, but the vast history of the world um, is you are one or the other, you're the, the religion or you are a legal minority um, and you can be an illegal religious minority, right? And I think for all of our faults in the United States, I think that's a good thing that we don't, we don't, we don't carry on that, uh, that tradition. Oh. Yeah. If we can put it that way. Well, we try not to. Yeah. So um, at least on There's... the, on the books, yeah. you know, I don't have to register to be a, um, pre sub pre whatever, whatever Baptist. Sure. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I can, I have the freedom to do that. Yeah. Right? Religiously. Religiously. The, as far as the, uh, there's not always a completely welcoming. Answer. No, 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 no. But at least on the books. Right. Right. At least that's what we say. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is different. It is, it is significance. Okay. So, uh, tell me about, uh, Luther early on. What is his, um, attitude towards Judaism, that religion, but then also how to, how to deal with this minority, this religious and ethnic minority within Wittenberg or any other, uh, German principality. Yeah, I think, and here maybe it, it's good to make a distinction that Mike already got at a little bit, but I, I think is important. <clears throat> and that's we can talk about Luther being anti-Semitic or anti-Judaic. Um, <clears throat> Anti-Semitic would be racist. Um, a Jew is just a Jew. This is the Nazis. Um, even Erasmus, who's usually held up as, you know, this proto-modern man, toleration, um, it's Erasmus who says you can baptize a Jew, but it's still a Jew. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, That is not at any point Luther's approach, uh, a racial approach or an ethnic approach. Um, and once again, when we say racial or racist, that's really Enlightenment language, mm-hmm. and it comes out of the Enlightenment classifying. Certainly there are, you know, like you just said with Erasmus, there is there's certainly those thoughts hanging around. Right. But it's a completely different way of looking. And, and you can think about even a post 
Charles Darwin world as well, where you're thinking about the evolution of, of, of man and uh, how easily that fits into that person's DNA is, yeah. and can be classified in different ways. And, and then um, with colonialism, you're ranking people. And you lose uh, a sense of human rights. And if we're just more evolved or less evolved animals, it's not that big of a logical leap to say that certain animal needs to be eradicated or controlled or whatever. Yeah. And so early in the Reformation, Luther is going to write, um, hopefully I'm getting the title right again, that Jesus Christ was born a Jew. And um, this would be, if we were going to use today's terms, a very progressive work. Um, he is going to say, yeah, we need to be very tolerant towards the Jews. Of course they haven't converted yet. No one's been preaching the gospel. Um, and there's this really optimistic view um, as Luther is going to be translating the Old Testament, um, right? Uh, especially post Reuchlin, where Reuchlin will get in trouble for uh, for um, consulting actual Hebrews about the Hebrew language for going to rabbis. <clears throat> um, Luther's going to make use of Jewish scholars um, of their their work, their scholarship for um, understanding Hebrew and translating, and he's going to have a pretty optimistic view of now that the gospel's being preached, things will come along. Over time, we'll see that frustration build. Um, Luther also will read some things about what the Jews have supposedly said about Jesus Christ and Christianity. Um, some of these things true, you know, Talmudic things. Some of these things not true. Um, there was plenty of literature bouncing around about certain alleged practices the Jews had. Uh, some of them that today just sound crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but at that time, people would sometimes buy into. Um, by 1537, um, uh, Josel of, of Rosheim, uh, who's one of the leaders of the Jews in, the, in the, um, the Holy Roman Empire, asked Luther to intervene with the elector to allow the free movement of the Jews in Saxony. And Luther says he's not intervening, um, but just writes a letter basically saying, I've advocated um, for the Jews in the hope that they would convert, that they would recognize Christ as, as Messiah. Um, but then kind of says, that's not happening. And, mm -hmm. you know, look at how historically your people have treated the prophets and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So he's starting to, we see a shift. Um, and, and then towards the end of his life, he will write, which is probably, unfortunately, one of his most famous works and not in a good way. At least later on in Luther's mm -hmm. studies. Yeah. Um, post Holocaust. Yeah. Well, um, post Nazism, because mm -hmm. the Nazis are going to latch onto this. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you write something that the Nazis in any way can latch on to, you have to question what you've done. Mm -hmm. right? um, and he writes on the Jews and their lies. And he doesn't advocate killing them, but he does advocate some bad, the taking of the season of their property, yeah. destruction of, of... Burning of synagogues. Yeah. Which, again, not helpful. Right. Not right. But he's not saying exterminate a class of people. Right. He is saying... This is false doctrine. And that's this is the, Satan. This is blasphemous against Christ. Blasphemy, keep in mind, at that time would have been a capital crime, right? This was a, the state was to regulate this to some degree, the same as the state burned heretics, not the mm. church. The church just condemned them. And uh, so this would be because of the religious content of these things um, and not because of the ethnic um background of these people, but because of the religious teachings that they held. And this, again, I'm going to say, I think it's shameful. 
Um, but I am also writing with 500 years of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, too, <clears throat> we need to not look at this um, in the light of uh, something like the Shire myth. So the Shire myth is um, uh, William Shire, I believe it was William, writes The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. And it's almost comical at the beginning, at the intro. He kind of paints this straight line from Luther um, to the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And he, he has like some line like, I should know I'm a Methodist or I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> of like, well, he's a Protestant, so he totally mm-hmm. understands this. Um, and that is not fair, and that is not right. And I would say, too, he's partly blaming the Lutherans because he says um, Luther also instilled like a quietism, mm-hmm. like a political inactivity, like mm-hmm. a, just a withdrawal from the world. And the more we study Luther and the more we study um post-Luther Lutheranism, it's actually resistance doctrines are, are developed by Luther and his followers. Um, it's not even fair to say that they argued for, for some sort of quietism. Did um, later Lutherans adopt forms of quietism? Yes. Um, did many American Lutherans for part of our history? Yes. Have now some American Lutherans probably really swung too far the other way? <clears throat> I would pr- maybe yes. Um, but, uh, you know, there's not a direct... Nothing preceding Hitler made Hitler inevitable. Mm-hmm. There were things that maybe fed into it. Mm-hmm. And some of Luther's rhetoric late in life, um, surely to an anti-Semite would resonate um, because right, it, they didn't care if you disliked a Jew for their religion or their race, but anything that seemed mm-hmm. against Jews, mm-hmm. they were going to grab onto. So it makes sense that the Nazis would latch on to on the Jews in their lives, especially with someone who had become a national icon, a cultural icon like Martin Luther. Yeah, I think a few points. One is if, if you're going to blame something, um, I, I think maybe the evolutionary process of, of social evolution uh, would, would, be, would be the place where you're going to put most of, the, most of the guilt, the idea that... Um, you know, th- there's a movement there religiously from, you know, the, the the Jewish people gave us monotheism. Okay, that's good. And then Christians took the next step. And then, um, but but for for Hitler, it seems take the next step, which would be some sort of not not a return to paganism exactly, but sort of more of a German national way of thinking about uh, this progress, both religiously and um, and uh, you know socially. I think when we when we look at Okay, are there some things that that uh, people latch on to um, in the 1930s to, to Luther? I think one is um, the idea of pulling the rhetoric out of the context that would be anti-Jewish. And again, they're not caring about the theology. It's not like the the church was super. The Lutheran Church was super theologically strong in the in the uh, early 20th century. Right. The the second thing is that that quietism, the the idea of um, the government is in control. This is you obey the government. This is God's left-handed kingdom. They have the sword. Um, even and you had had four hundred years of state church by yeah. then, yeah. and and the idea that you obey the the Holy Roman Emperor, even if he is your even if he is your 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 enemy. And so there was a constitution, right, in the empire. It's not really an empire if it has this kind of constitution, um, but yeah, the in in the post-Luther uh, 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 religious wars and revolutions, um, you know, we, we as, you know, this, this particular Lutheran group is not going to, for instance, go on the attack against the, the, the empire. We're going to follow the Constitution, even if the, em- 
emperor is breaking those rules in the constitution and it was militarily bad so the idea there was you 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 don't resist until you're being attacked and you could see okay that got gets latched onto and then the third one of course is luther as a as an icon which really starts to come probably in the 1800s of when you have more nationalistic nation state kind of things we have to remember and then as you have the kind of birth of germany 1870s especially with Prussian power coming. Yeah, yeah. Who's your most famous, one of the most famous Germans Mm -hmm. of all time, right? And so we see that in art, Luther is depicted in a different way. Um, And and for Luther to, you know, to be used that way, I think is fairly unfair, right? Um, He's he's not really concerned about German nationality. He, he He does say things about the Italian Pope and, and the Italian church, um, you know, taking advantage of the, the German people, which would have been latched onto by the German people at his time. And he does but, several times um, lump the Jews and the Italians together. So yeah. to be fair, he also had. <laughs> right. So it's, it's just those, those three things, that the, the Luther being kind of a national mascot, mm-hmm. um, the idea of obeying the government, even to the point of, of not, you know, uh, to, against your own, maybe your own um, success. And then, of course, his, his, his rhetoric. Those are three things that uh, get pulled out of context, but they are there. Mm-hmm. They are there, and I don't think you can ignore them. But, yeah. Uh, can, I, can I draw a parallel? I, I do love, first of all, I do love that uh, uh, William Shire, like, if you write a book and then they, and then we name it the Shire myth, I mean, that's, that's a huge blow. Right. Yeah. And by the way, I had, I had this, uh, in, when I was a parish pastor, we had, uh, these young girls who were in, uh, in high school and they're going through their history class and their, um, uh, their teacher did the, the surface kind of thing about here's, here's my five minutes of Martin Luther and totally ignore how he changed the theology of the church and European society and goes right to the Jewish mm-hmm. question. And uh, they protested a little bit and they came and they're like, is this true and all this stuff? And I explained it to him and I said, just use the word Shire myth with your whatever. And he did apologize. He did apologize that he had not done his homework. Nice. So this public school uh, history teacher. But um, yeah, so it is. Go ahead. Um, I would say a similar situation with someone that we would not consider um, a theologian or or religious um, would be with um, the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. Um, Nietzsche goes nuts, right? He goes insane. He has to live with his sister. He despises his sister. Even before he went nuts, he had written about how much he despised her, didn't like how she looked, the sound of her voice, her very aura, you know, anything about her. And uh, she later edits his works, and it makes them sound kind of Nazi-ish, which is, if you're going to get back at your sibling, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty good strategy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, but um, Nietzsche does write stuff that's that's anti-Jewish. Um, for instance, he'll talk about Christianity and Judaism, um, right? And and the, these Jewish ideas, and by that he means kind of the herd morality of, you know, of uh, he says Christianity says the only good man is an emasculated man that if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. That it that it inhibits the passions. Um, but Nietzsche himself was very much against anti-Semites. In fact, he he says they should be banished. I believe he even in one place calls for the death penalty for them. And that seems very incongruent, right? Um, how can you like talk about these Jewish ideas, whatever, 
but then be against anti-Semitism. Uh, but I think there'd be something similar there. Now, Luther is not anti-Paul, and he's not seeing Christianity as being these Jewish ideas of herd morality and weakness. Um, but both of them are taking issue with um, theological or philosophical things, right? Um, and and so there, um, I mean, that is the distinction that needs to be made. Did both of them write stuff that in 2022 you go, bro, mm-hmm. um, yes. Mm-hmm. Did both of them write stuff that at their own day you go, bro, mm-hmm. like, yes, of course. Um, but I think that will be the important context. Um, but, and, and to say too, Lutherans, you don't do Luther a service by by trying to um, whitewash or defend mm-hmm. or explain away these writings either. Um, it really needs a stand uh, on the Jews and their lies. And it is um, an expression of part of Luther's thought later in life. It's an, a representative of his times. Um, and, and it's, um, you know, if you really want people to take Luther seriously, then it, it doesn't do much good to say, oh, you know, he writes stuff and <clears throat> you shouldn't believe it means what it says. Mm-hmm. He meant what he wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, the Turks are a little bit easier if we want to go to the Turks real sure. quick. Um, the Turks were a threat, right? Yeah, this is um, this is a political thing, yeah. Yeah, and when he talks about the Turks, again, it's um, political and theological. And usually politically, he praises them and says, uh, yeah, they're much better at like ruling themselves than our <laughs> leaders are. <clears throat> you know, we're all dissolute and drunk and mm-hmm. fighting each other and can't get along. Um, but then theologically, he'll address, um, he writes some things when he thinks that the Turks might win and, you know, they'd find themselves under them of how to be, live as a Christian under the Turks, right? And um, so the Turks will be used as outsiders, um, but usually in a more illustrative fashion, like to illustrate something, to have, have a stark comparison. And I would say not with the, the vitriol that we see yeah. towards the Jews yeah. at the end of life, if you think that's fair, Yeah, Michael? and similarly, uh, he advocates and requests and fights for a copy of the Quran, mm-hmm. right? He's and not, he, he wants it published. He's not, we don't banish books, right? right. We don't, we want it, pu- we want to except, know. Except Jewish or, books. Right, yeah. Um, we don't, <laughs> we don't, but, but I'm still, he's still going to reach out for Hebrew help right. from, right? Yep. So, and he does, I mean, he wants the Quran published for apologetic purposes, but yeah. precisely because precisely he thinks let someone read it and then let them read the scriptures. Yeah, and he assumes, so So he's not afraid of that. that, that that's, I think, the, the big issue. When you try to, I hate the word cancel, but try to cancel somebody or try to uh, um, take away their, you know, take away all their books or whatever, you're, you're giving up. Deplatforming. You're, you're saying... My thought cannot win the day against this thought, and so we we're gonna we're gonna bully that out of out of it. Um, obviously, more you know centrist ship is a little bit more complicated than that. I understand, but um, you know I, I don't think Luther is saying um, these are a problem. Get rid of them. He, he is confident that the gospel wins out. At the same time, he is not confident that Christendom survives. Mm-hmm. So he at times he is you now he is very. Uh, his eschatology is um, more negative than somebody living in Wisconsin in 2022. I think he, he almost just... Although we might be getting there. Yeah, he almost just Bad pandemic, now we're looking at nuclear war. Yeah. He almost assumes, right, that much of Europe will be under Turkish control. And so even says, we should know this. We should know their religion. Um, we should teach our children to 
live under a foreign um, empire with respect and honor, right? Much like the early Christians did in the, in the Roman Empire and to live out their lives faithfully serving their new masters. We don't like that language, but that's, that's the language of the, of the time. And then witness to them by the gospel, right? So he, he doesn't have like a full-blown apologetic by any means, but he, he is thinking about use your reason, right? Um, show them the scriptures, uh, not just the scriptures, but in a first and second Peter way kind of by your life, right? Let the, mm-hmm. uh, let the pagans see that your, your life is different because of Christ and let them just take it, right? And so uh, definitely not the attitude we, we always have in, in the United States, let's just yeah. say that. So um, there are times when Luther is softer than we think. There are times when he is more belligerent than he should be. There are times when he uh, is very progressive for his time. And there are times when he is uh, less than helpful towards progress yeah. and toleration. And I would say here, and correct me if, I'm, if you think I'm wrong or unfair, you know, here in how Luther deals at the end, and I would say even in maybe how he deals with things on that Jesus Christ was born a Jew— almost is contradicting his own doctrine of vocation, but he's doing it because of the time and the place and the climate in which he lives. Um, You know, even the argument of now we're going to be nice to the Jews so that they'll convert isn't a very solid vocational argument, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We should be nice to our neighbor, especially the outsider, um, because they're our neighbor, Mm -hmm. right? And then hopefully maybe they'll convert. It's kind of like, when pastors maybe have been in a council meeting and someone says we need more, we need to convert more people so we can ha- raise our church budget. Yeah. Um, or we'll die. Right? Or we do these bait and switch evangelism things where like we're going to do something charitable in the community, but it's very much going to be tied to like you also have to hear a gospel mm-hmm. presentation. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that it's wrong to want to give someone gospel presentation, mm-hmm. but. You know, when it may, sometimes it becomes a little bit too care, much carrot and stick. Um, like we, you should be, you should do it for the sake of that's the love of your neighbor. Right. Right. So we don't really, do we really actually care about the soccer abilities of our community? Right. Not really. Right. Right. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're concerned with the, the, you know, the health, get these kids out of the, you know, off the couch or whatever. Okay, fine. Um, but let's be honest about it. Right. Where where sometimes you have a soup kitchen just because you have soup kitchen and that's vocationally just fine. And that the church just does that is, is fine. And so um, maybe that's a a lesson for us to take away out of this too is, um, but that's the thing. All of us can be inconsistent. Mm -hmm. All of us can be wrong, but maybe that's a a reminder for us too. We're not, um, we're not open and and welcoming to our neighbor simply to, uh, to get them to heaven, although we want to get them to heaven, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um, but also just because they are our neighbor, right? And, um, and so, uh, you know, that's part of maybe the, the something that to, that's sad about the shift with Luther is, uh, it's not something you just give up on, yeah. you know, it, now there may be a come a time like in a mission setting where, um, Jesus says, okay, you leave and you shake the dust mm-hmm. off your feet, whatever. But but that's not the same as God has put you in community with people. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I'm also looking through the, I'm looking through a 21st century mm-hmm. lens of pluralism where 
I mean, just in my on my block in my neighborhood alone, mm-hmm. um, you know, half the world is represented, mm-hmm. uh, or the groups of the world. Not half the world. Mm-hmm. There's not like three and a half billion people on my block. But um, but so you know, I, I'm showing my own inconsistencies sure. as well. Sure. Yeah. So as we look back on Luther and uh, for today's age, the most controversial would not have been the most controversial in his. Oh, not, in his not day. at all. Um, and even, you know, really comes into the, into the uh, 20th century where it really becomes. If anything, it could have been somewhat ecumenical yeah. in his age. There were people from Catholicism, too, who probably sure. would have been like, yeah, this is. Right. Uh, this is what we agree upon. Right. Yeah. So um, to, to understand the historical context without falling into the trap of making excuses where we, we don't need to make excuses for sinners. Right. We just don't. And I think. You know, if Luther was sitting right here, I don't think he would want us to make excuses for himself either. Right. right? Um, I, I think he, uh, there are times when he said, well, I don't want anything that was written to be made public. Right. right? Um, so. Uh, he wanted uh, his own books burned. Yeah. So he's, he's certainly can be stubborn and not take things back, which I think is a, a, a little bit of a sign of honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, um, you know. I think it's better angels would say that uh, if he had this hindsight that he would he would probably back off a little bit. I hope so. Quite a bit. Yeah. Right. So and and that's true of all of us, right? Uh, so anyway, yeah. Yeah, I think we did all right. Um, yeah. I really, I didn't miss Jason at all. What about you, Mike? Um, who? Yeah. Right. I, I think we nailed it. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for listening. Uh, we are um, recording on a. Uh, a Monday, a fresh new week here in Lent, and hopefully we will have this out. Uh, this is, what is today, Monday the 14th? It's Tuesday the 15th. Today's Tuesday? Yeah. Tuesday the 14th. Man, how do I not know my days? Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday it's the 14th, and hopefully I will get this out today or Tuesday the tomorrow. Fif- Tuesday the 15th. So if you're listening, if you see this pops up um, the 15th or 16th, then I, I did my job. Uh, no matter what, you got to forgive me, because uh, that's what it's about, to, yeah. to let the bird fly. Yeah. Another round, another round, one more round won't get me down.